Welcome to another episode of the Trusted Advisor podcast and video series powered by the Retail Solutions Providers Association. Our goal on the pod is to accelerate the success of today's and tomorrow's leaders in the retail IT industry. I'm Jim Roddy, back with you again. Thank you so much for joining us. In this episode, we'll focus on how VARs can help merchants solve their labor crisis with three expert RSPA members here to offer us some guidance. Our first guest is Audrey Hogan, the Chief Operating Officer of TimeForge, a labor management software developer. Audrey's LinkedIn profile describes the company saying, we're building smart tools for busy people. I like that a lot. Prior to her current role at TimeForge, Audrey was a product manager at technology solution provider Truno, and she was a solutions manager at Resolution System Software, and she also held management roles with various retailers and restaurants. Audrey, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Great to have you here. Great to be talking with you in this forum. Our next two guests represent RSPA VAR member North Country Business Products, which is headquartered in Minneapolis. First, Barb Chushinsky has been part of the North Country team for almost three years, serving as product marketing manager since early 2019. Barb has extensive experience in marketing, account management, and operations. Hi, Barb. Glad to have you here. Thanks for having me. So excited for today. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, good. Glad to have you here. And Barb's North Country teammate is Director of Grocery Sales, Jeff Zimmerman. Jeff has worked for North Country for 16 years, and prior to that, he was General Manager and Store Director for two supermarket chains. Jeff, thanks for being part of our discussion. Thanks, Jim. Glad to be here. Wonderful. All right. Well, let's take a minute to set the stage for our audience so they know the perspectives of all of your organization. So Audrey, first, can you tell us about TimeForge beyond just smart tools for busy people? Yeah, absolutely. I'll even go give a little history here. So uh, we we've, were founded in 2007, which uh, makes us a dinosaur in the software as a service business. Um, our parent company was a business consulting firm. Um, so when we launched this, this product, TimeForge, all we really knew was how to be good listeners. Um, <laughs> and how to help other businesses be efficient. Uh, And never in a million years when we launched this did we think that that would turn into uh, being a competitive advantage for us, and it has. Um, So we quickly moved up market uh, with word of mouth. We're in over 13 countries. Um, We had a a great help from a dinerware reseller network when we were getting started, so um, yay RSPA um, in the early days. Um, we, we presently focus on retail and hospitality. Um, we specialize in grocery and restaurants. Um, we have deep operational knowledge and we're experts on labor. So we partner with other leaders in the industry who are experts on their niche, um, like North Country, um, to make sure that we're serving the industry better together, uh, especially right now <laughs> with the labor shortage. Um, so we provide timekeeping, sales integration, sales forecasting, labor to sales budgeting, applicant tracking, hiring, onboarding, uh, everything that's employee lifecycle related. And we serve businesses with one location all the way up to a thousand. Wonderful, fabulous, thank you for that. Yeah, now is the right time for uh, a labor management uh, software developer, that, that's for sure. And so Jeff, I'm fortunate to know lots of the good people at North Country. I even had a strategy session in your office a few years back uh, in Minneapolis. Can you tell our listeners and viewers what North Country does and who you serve? Yeah, absolutely. So North Country was established in 1948. So we actually are a dinosaur. (laughs) Uh, Obviously, we've had to evolve over over the years, but we uh, the company started selling office supplies and typewriters, believe it or not. Um, So the evolution of that, um, 
we've evolved into one of the leading uh, point of sale solution providers in the United States. Um, we actually took on cash registers in 1976, put in our first scanning customer in 1981, and that is still a customer of ours today. So um, that says a little bit about our, uh, our culture and our beliefs, but um, we have evolved. Uh, now we most, we focus on the grocery and hospitality verticals as the main part of our business, as far as providing uh, technology for customers in both of those verticals. <clears throat> we are 100% employee owned, which we're all very proud of and is uh, great for us as a company. And our focus in the industry and our footprint is in the Midwest. So all the way up, we just made an acquisition in Montana. Uh, we go all the way down to Kansas City and Arkansas. Um, but our main focus is uh, we're just the largest, one of the largest POS solution providers in the US and we focus on hardware, software, managed services and providing that customized solution uh, for our clients. Great. Fabulous. And that's kind of like our first lesson of the podcast already for our listeners is you've got to try, test, measure, adapt, right? Evolution isn't something that just happens to you. It's something you have to consistently do. And we wouldn't be having this conversation, right, uh, with any of your, either of your organizations. The RSP, uh, in fact, is 73 years old, right? So we've got uh, some dinosaur-like things, but, you know, started off just in the in the cash register space. So, yeah, definitely, you know, you've got to uh, have always iterating your organization. So, all right, so we're going to talk labor. And so together, your organizations created a study that was titled Grocery Labor Market Trends Retail share insights from the past 18 months. So you surveyed mid to large grocery businesses to learn two things. So first was how grocers have been impacted by the labor market trends, and then also which strategies they're using to overcome those challenges. So let's start with what's influencing the labor shortage in North America. It seems like that's that's where we've got to start. And you know, not just in grocery, but every employer is being impacted, but maybe especially you know, retailers, restaurants, and grocers. And the most common comment that I've heard is just, nobody wants to work anymore, right? Like that's the cause of this entire problem, right? Nobody wants to work anymore. But your survey asked grocers what they felt has influenced the current labor market. And their answers were more nuanced than just nobody wants to work anymore. So Audrey, can you share with us some details behind the answers and what you heard? Yeah, absolutely. So, so we asked the respondents to indicate what they felt has influenced the current labor market changes, right? It, it wasn't, we weren't asking for hard data. We wanted to know how the industry was feeling about these things. Um, so over 40% of these retailers uh, said that they felt that government subsidies were an influential factor in the current trends. Um, and that was, that's a big number. That was the, the biggest one. Other factors included the COVID-19 pandemic, um, job candidates being reluctant to work, uh, salary or compensation concerns, and other. And we left other open so that they could manually enter responses. Um, and we heard back, not sure, and all of the above uh, from all of the other options. Um, so, so we found, uh, yeah, to your point, a lot more nuance in those responses um, than one single, uh, one single point being cited. And is it you say in the report of something like most businesses agree the labor shortage is a result of like many circumstances aligning at the wrong way at the wrong time, right? It's almost like a big bottleneck, you know, or the reverse of bottleneck happening. Uh, is that kind of how you saw it, you know, looking at the numbers? Yeah, my my perspective was, um, you know, the labor shortage has really become kind of a divisive topic. Uh, it's it's uh, politicized and there's um, there's lots of controversy around it and everyone has very strong opinions. Um, and so 
for me, the data from, from this question in particular and from the whole study is kind of reinforcing the idea that a lot of employers are feeling like their state or federal government is exacerbating their headaches and they're recognizing that there's other circumstances kind of all aligning, right? Everything just aligned into a, a horrific situation right now with labor. Um, so they're they're doing everything that they can, um, but I, I felt um, I felt like my biggest takeaway that I wasn't anticipating was um, the industry really recognizing more than one cause. And I think that that's important. Yeah. So let's dive into that. And that's what I'm hoping that the four of us can try to attempt on this podcast to build a list like the master list of all the factors that are causing the labor shortage. And to what, Audrey, you just talked about, it's not just one thing. It's like all these things coming, happening at the same time are like the drag, you know, and are, and are slowing things down. So I'll list what I've gathered. I've got a list here. And I'm hoping that each of you can add to it, cross off and elaborate. And warning to our listeners, there are 13 factors here. So I'm gonna zip through these as quickly uh, as I can. But again, they're they're all important. So the number one that you mentioned is government subsidies or the unemployment aid. Two, you mentioned COVID's made workers reluctant to work with people face to face. Three is there's an abundance of remote jobs or warehouse jobs, right? Those are booming, absolutely. So that's drawing away from a lot of other industries. Also, number four, paying those jobs is better, right? It's well above minimum wage, 15 to $20 an hour versus I'm in Pennsylvania. If you work in a restaurant, it's 236 plus tips, right? If you're weighing those two options, like you are gonna go to that warehouse uh, for sure. Number five, because of these higher wages, some people don't need two jobs like they did before or where they were working part-time before, is now full-time because of their uh, employer's labor shortage. Uh, six, they learned during the pandemic, family time is more important than extra income, so they're just choosing not to work. Um, seven, older people left the workforce and decided not to return You know when COVID happened. Number eight, this is kind of the flip side from the older one, fewer teens need to work, they're in extracurricular activities instead of working. Number nine, there's limited childcare because of COVID. And there, even if childcare is available, people don't want to send their kid to childcare, you know, where COVID's very prevalent. And we've certainly seen more women have dropped out of the workforce and not returned uh, than men. Uh, number 10, they had a family member who got sick with COVID and they're caring for them. Number 11, they got sick with COVID and they still have these long haul symptoms and haven't been able to return. Uh, number 12, in the United States, 200,000 people uh, have under the age of 65 died from COVID, right? And so those people, uh, you know, most of them were in the workforce. And then the final one, uh, immigration was down pre-COVID and then during COVID. So the overall worker pool is smaller. I'm not going to repeat those because it took so long to go through them, but hopefully you guys were all paying attention to those. And so if we can start off in terms of, you know, Barb, if you can take the first crack at this in terms of, is there more that you want to add to this list? Are there a couple that you want to highlight or, or modify? Or do you think these are all the things that are converging that are slowing down and really causing this labor crisis? Well, and that's quite a list. I mean, if you just take that list, that's quite a list. Um, for me, I also take a look at that symbiotic relationship that we have with labor and the supply chain, because that's also creating some gaps um, in our labor markets. Um, a lot of the skilled, uh, workers have left manufacturing and so there is that huge gap still um, and the manufacturing world continues to evolve and those workers coming in now need to be a little bit they need to have uh, more education and um, so all of these factors coming together it just it feels like that perfect storm 
Um, so that was one of those that I also was like, you know, there's that relationship. It's almost symbiotic, you know, between manufacturing, um, supply chain, and labor. Got it. Yeah, now Steve Kuntz, the CEO, uh, president of uh, Blue Star, said at their Vartech event, like, we really kind of got spoiled by how flawlessly the supply chain has worked for so long, but COVID just like totally, totally wrecked it. Is that kind of what you're talking about, Barb, is these gaps are creating, instead of these manufacturers humming at full speed, it's fits and starts. And so the labor is is up and down. Is that how you're, uh, is that kind of the picture you're painting? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Got it. Thank you. Uh, Jeff, uh, anything you would add to this list, take off this list, clarify? I don't think I would add anything i've read this multiple times you did a great job putting this list together uh i i agree with um everything that's on here i guess there's a couple that i think play my personal opinion play a bigger factor you know number five because of higher wages workers don't need two jobs um and more they're working part-time went full-time and then the other one would be uh seven older people left workforce decided to not return i think those play together and this is putting my grocery hat days on, uh, my days from the grocery world, putting that hat on. In the grocery industry, there's a lot of um, a lot of people that use that industry as supplemental income or just a second job, earn a, earn a few extra bucks. Retirees, you know, they get tired of being retired, so they come work a few hours a week, right? And that's great for, that was great for us. I had many of those uh, those people working for me and they filled a lot of gaps in the grocery world. I think they went away, right? Because why do I want to go risk doing that? Um, so I think that's a big part of it. The other big part, uh, and this is one of the reasons that that we really teamed up with Audrey and Timeforge is, I think it's also making a better work environment for those people because it's so easy to jump a job, right? It's so easy to go work right down the street for either a few uh, few more dollars an hour or maybe the same wage because it's a better place to work. And that's one of the reasons we teamed up is I think we have to provide those tools so that it's you make them want to stay. It's easy to work there, right? It's easy to see my schedule. It's easy to to ask for time off, switch shifts, things like that. So if life's easy and work is good, I think they'll they'll stay there. So um, those are two of the two of the biggest factors. The only one I I don't know if I would take it off, but I don't know if I was the second one. COVID made workers reluctant to work with people face to face. The only reason I say that, if you think about it, when the pandemic started and grocery workers were essential workers, we really didn't have that labor shortage at that time because people wanted to work. They needed to work, right? They wanted right. to work. Grocery industry industry reacted quickly with, you guys have all seen the plexiglass and, and everything else. So um, I don't know if that's a cause right now, but I think everything else you have on this list is uh, definitely prevalent. Yeah, and probably if you're looking at the markets that the RSPA serves, you know, retail, restaurant, grocery, and cannabis, grocery would be the least affected by that face-to-face -face, what you talked about. Mm -hmm. Restaurant, like that's where you know a lot of people are like, heck no, like I am not, yeah. don't don't put me back into that environment. So that's a good point, good good clarification that these uh, the degree to which these factors uh, apply, you know, waver from from market to market. They don't apply evenly across across all the markets. Great, thank you. Audrey, uh, again, your same question to you. Anything you would add, clarify, take off, want to highlight? Yeah, I have I have a few. Um, Barb and Jeff are so like succinct and I get all excited and my brain just bounces around. Um, my, so so maybe to piggyback, piggyback on Jeff first. Um, 
So, and, and you actually touched on it a little bit, Jim. Um, I'm really curious about how much the labor market changes um, have been because of women leaving their supplemental income jobs. I haven't seen any studies done on it. Maybe I'm, but I'm, I'm checking SHRM periodically and I'm, I'm just not seeing anyone really dive into that. Um, so I'm, I'm curious, like, you know, a, a hard number around that impact. Um, but I think in the grocery industry, for sure, it, it's significant. Um, and then we've also seen that not just among, you know, moms or, or parents, um, you know, having the opportunity to go stay with their kids a little bit more. Um, but we're seeing huge, intense competition for entry-level remote work jobs. Mm -hmm. um, and so, I mean, everyone is competing for jobs. Um, they're, they're, the labor shortage is pretty universal. But uh, the place where I'm seeing complaints by applicants because they can't hear back from businesses instead of the other way around is entry-level remote work. Um, and, and some, you know, low, lower skilled remote work jobs. Um, and, and that seems like a really great place for a grocery worker who doesn't want to work in grocery anymore to go. Um, so we may be seeing some of that shift specific for the grocery customers and restaurant workers. Um, and then we're also seeing, you know, a lot of people have returned to school. They took last year as an opportunity during shutdowns when they weren't at work anyways, or they had cut down hours because of lockdowns. Um, they, you know, maybe I'll just, uh, you know, take out some student loans and go back to school. So, so I'm, I'm curious to see what, um, what higher education uh, enrollment rates were. Um, I haven't looked at them, but you know, that may have been a contributor as well. Um, and then I'll just, I'll add something um, that we're kind of seeing. Again, we haven't done a study on this, and I don't have any hard data, but we're seeing this trend of the, um, the snowball effect happening, right, where. Um, especially with wages, right? Everyone was very, very concerned. I was doing um, podcasts and lectures and um, education seminars for um, the for restaurants and for retailers around how to prepare for minimum wage hikes. And everyone was getting all excited about how to prepare for minimum wage hikes. Um, and then even without the minimum wage hikes, we're seeing wage increases. Um, and so really that same advice is applying. But what um, what we're seeing is, you know, competing with Amazon warehouses for labor and they're paying $15 an hour or more. Um, and so for the first time for a lot of our customers and a lot of the retailers and restaurants that we work with, they're competing against these really big players for the first time. And especially in rural America, that's really hard because you haven't really had that talent competition before. Um, and so we're seeing that peel out. And you had you had mentioned competing against other um, industries in, in your list of 13. Um, but I think that we're seeing that minimum wage snowball or that, that entry level wage snowball um, happen more and more and more. And I think that's gonna con continue to contribute um, to people job hopping. Excellent. You know, no, so thank you all for that. I was hoping you'd say like, no, Crossy's off your list. Like the list just got longer. And so that just yeah, makes sorry. me think like, well, no wonder we're having so many problems. Like, I guess I picture this as like a sports car. You know, I'm not like some NASCAR fan or something like that, but they make these like little, you know, uh, tweaks to it that make it go a little bit faster and reduce the drag. But if you put like our list is now up to like 17 things, maybe you have all those different elements. That's really going to slow the car down. And that's really what it seems like it's happening. All these things are contributing. And to build on your point, uh, Audrey, like I, I had a conversation. This would have been Christmas of 2019. So talking to somebody, two business owners about the minimum wage. One was from Atlanta, one was from New York. And they both said, I don't know why, why we even talk about this. Nobody pays minimum wage. And I'm like, I'm in Erie, Pennsylvania. 
And the Burger King right around the corner from where I work says like managers starting at $9 an hour. I'm like, that's the managers. Well, now to your point about Amazon, right down the street from my office now is a new Amazon warehouse here in Erie. Parking lot is fairly full. <clears throat> and the Burger King right around the corner now, what are they paying? They're offering $12, $13 an hour for the non-managers is what they're doing just to get somebody to work from it. So all these things, like you said, are converging together. And, you know, before it was, you could offer minimum wage. And if it was closer to home or something like that, you can get somebody. But now, you know, the, the wages are going up uh, significantly. So, all right, big long list there. Who else wants to, anybody want to have anything else on this list before we move on to how do we solve this? A long list. <laughs> It, it is. I'm, uh, yeah, I've, I'm going to have to keep typing it up and uh, and add more. But I guess it's good to know your problems, right? You know, um, as my, my old boss used to say, we want to have our problems in front of us, not tracking us down from behind like a tiger in the jungle, right, where it just surprises you. So now that we know that these things are, let's talk about what to do about it. And clearly, this is a this is a bona fide labor crisis like we've never seen before, and especially from that that merchant standpoint, because they can't do the whole remote work thing like uh, a lot of us can do. So I'm curious for for each of you, when you're engaging with a merchant, how do you turn this crisis into a productive conversation? Can you talk about Audrey? If you can go first, like how do your initial conversations with merchants go to help them shift from panic mode, which we all kind of experience going through that list, and shift into more of a problem-solving mode? Yeah, I think um, most of the merchants I talk to aren't—they're um, so deep in panic mode that they don't recognize that they're in panic mode. Did that make sense? Yeah. Um, it's, they're so used to firefighting that they've just kind of accepted that this is and it sucks. Um, and, and the hardest part for me in, in having that conversation of how do we cure this? How do we help you um, love your job again? How do we help your business move forward? Uh, help your team feel like a team um, is just getting, getting the merchant to kind of step back and recognize that it doesn't have it doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be miserable when they go into work every day. Their managers don't have to hate their jobs. Um, there's another way um, that it's not supposed to be that hard. And and once we once we can kind of like step back from firefighting in that conversation long enough to go, is that is that really how you want it to work? Um, and they can go, God, no, that's not what I want. Um, then we can have the conversation around. Um, how how we kind of talk about gaps. Hey, there's actually solutions for this. It doesn't have to stay this way. Those solutions don't even cost very much. Some of them are free. Um, and it's not just products, right? It's processes and people and just looking at efficiency. And 90% of the time it's internal communication and spending 30 seconds talking about your culture and what you want it to look like. Um, and so so just getting to the point where we can we can get the merchant to stop firefighting long enough to realize that maybe there's an option other than what they're doing that makes their life easier, um, the rest just kind of falls into place if we can get to that point, in my experience. Thank you. Those watching on our YouTube channel saw me kind of like roll off screen and probably wonder what I was doing. I have a, a note that hangs up on my wall. I work down the hallway from a psychotherapist. And so I do business coaching. And so she does counseling. And I asked her like, well, how do you 
get people to gain insight. And that's really what you outlined, Audrey, because I grabbed it. It's like you have rapport, you do an assessment with them. If there can be genuine self-reflection and they get a primary insight out of it, then they can start taking action. But if they don't, if their insight is nothing's going to get any better, well, then you can't make any progress. But if they say, I can make this better, then they can turn to you and say, how can we make this uh, better? Yeah. So. Thank you for that. Yeah. So you're a uh, software developer and, and a therapist and counselor uh, all <laughs> rolled into one. So, uh, Jeff, how do you have these conversations um, when you're dealing with uh, with grocers and, and getting their mind to focus on solving the problem? I have to say their mind's pretty, pretty focused these days uh, when it comes to this. But, you know, obviously our job is to identify pain points for our clients and try to solve them, right? It really boils down to that. We're, we're pretty, it's pretty obvious what the pain point is today, but it's <clears throat> not only do they have to adapt and change, but we have to adapt and change too, how we, how we work with them, right? It used to be, we would go into a retailer and a client and it would, we would focus on, you know, how are we going to increase your margins? How are we going to increase your revenue? Uh, provide, you know, provide that ROI for them. That's still very important, but it's really shifted now where, where the focus is on not how do I reduce labor, how do I fill the gap where I don't have labor? And so it's, a, it's the same conversation, but different because uh, we have all the tools that do a lot, of, a lot of these things and a lot of partners that we partner with that provide these tools. It's just now the conversation and focus is, is more sh is shifted, right? To filling those gaps rather than reducing reducing the labor. So it's actually, uh, it's, it's, it's almost a, a fun conversation for us because it really, we can really shine and show the different things that, hey, this will work. Kind of like what Audrey said, this, this will work to solve this. And they're way, a lot of our clients and prospects are, they really want to listen to that now, right? It's, it's, I have to do something. And so we can be, uh, we can be, be very consultative and work with them and, and we enjoy we enjoy doing that so um it's 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 an interesting interesting dynamic um but it's uh it's very focused today on on that one subject and and jeff i like to tell you phrase that because it's not just knowing the pitch of how to pitch your product it's knowing the context of what your customer is going through i'm curious how at north country do you guys do that how do you stay on top of putting yourself in the customer's shoes so you can you know see things from their perspective and then provide a proper solution if you don't mind me asking well we uh, i'm i'm very lucky to have a a very seasoned uh team that's been around for a long time. A lot of them have experience in the business and industry. I have a lot of experience in the industry. We're, we're very much consultants. So we spend a lot of time with our customers. Um, even if we're not just, just learning their business and talking to them. So we really do have that, that feel for what they're going through. Cause we, uh, like I said, we had our, our first scanning customer we put in in the eighties and they're still our customer today we have great relationships with them. And, and so we learn a lot just from them and talking to them. Yeah, good. Yeah, I always say the insights are not provided staring up at the ceiling tiles, right? And like, oh, Eureka, I just thought of this thing, right? There's no substitute for a competent person getting closer 
to a situation and getting close to your customers uh, is doing that. So, well, let's take a quick pause here right now and to share with our listeners and viewers a few updates and insights from the RSPA. First, the RSPA has launched the next generation of education for the retail IT channel with RSPA Academy Accelerate. This online system offers continuous learning, training, and development opportunities anytime, anywhere, from any device. For more information on RSPA Academy Accelerate, visit learn.goRSPA.com. Org. Also, we want to thank our sponsors who support the RSP community and make this podcast and video series possible. Our platinum sponsors are Blue Star and Shift4 Payments. Our gold sponsors are Heartland and ScanSource. Finally, don't forget to save the date for two special events in 2022. Inspire, the Retail IT Channel's premier leadership conference, is January 23rd through 26th at the Wyndham Grand in Clearwater Beach, Florida. And Retail Now 2022 is July 24th through 26th at the Gaylord Palms in Orlando, two events you don't want to miss. To receive the benefits of an RSP membership or RSP sponsorship, email membership at gorspa.org. That's membership at gorspa.org. I can say with uh, three of the four of us being uh, in the coldest parts of the country, very much looking forward to Inspire in Clearwater Beach uh, in Florida. I think the average temperatures last year, they were like seven, between 75 and 79. So. I like seeing that. That's that's for sure. So, all right, back. back to, I was going to say, someone say, yeah, you, Roddy, you don't want to work anymore. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> Go hang out in Clearwater Beach. So, well, let's uh, keep back to our conversation from a labor standpoint and talk about being constructive with these merchants. So, and talk about technology. So, what technologies are helping merchants improve this labor situation? And is it starting with like a fundamental bundle that you offer, like right out of the gate, you need these things? Or does every solution that you offer include like a whole host of technology? So Jeff, do you want to take that first? Talk about the, the technologies that you offer uh, to your merchants. Sure. Um, we don't we don't necessarily have a fundamental bundle. It kind of goes back to what I what I talked about knowing knowing your client, knowing what their what their appetite is for technology and what their pain points are, which it's pretty obvious what that is today. So we really go in and and craft our offering based off what what they need because we have a lot of different technologies uh, that apply to that so obviously the the number one thing that people are looking at and you get everybody here is probably sees it when they go shopping is self-checkout is exploding um, so that's usually the the main thing that that people are uh, or clients are looking for and then we wrap usually wrap other things around that or take that opportunity to have those conversations but you know this will solve that one area of your labor shortage. But what about you know what about this area? What about your your scheduling? You got to keep the few people that you do have. You got to you got to keep them and use them to the best of your ability um, to be the most efficient. So really, that's that's our approach. Is is we go in. They're usually calling us saying, "I need to solve this," and we work with them on that. But then it's just kind of like Audrey referred to earlier. You, you don't have to do this this way anymore, right? This can be this can be handled in a better way and we have tools to do that. And that usually spurs a lot of uh, ancillary conversations. So uh, to answer your question, we don't have, here's your, here's your bundle to solve your problems. Um, we go in and we have these different tools to solve those different areas of problems. Got it. But it sounds like self-checkout and then scheduling are two of the fundamental ones. If, if I'm hearing that, you correctly. Yeah, those are, those are large. Yeah. Right. Audrey, how about for you? Uh, when you talk solutions, uh, what are the technologies that are involved? 
Yeah, so we um, we modularize everything. Like we we peel all of our pieces out and and into little features that you can mix or match because every retailer and restaurant needs something a little bit different. We find, um, but we do have um, we have kind of packages or bundles um, that are more popular um, where we kind of bundle up some of those features together. Um, fundamental would be simple scheduling, like Jeff was talking about. Um, but really what we're seeing is, is it's not the scheduling and Jeff, you may, you may have a different experience, but we're seeing, it's not the, the core scheduling that they're super excited about right now. You, in our past, we've focused on labor optimization. And, you know, if, if your sales are peaking at noon, make sure your labor's peaking at noon. Um, what people are excited about right now is just making sure the employees can see the schedule on their cell phone. Um, I mean, it's like core basic, uh, things that we kind of took for granted that the industry was already doing. And we've discovered they're not cause they're jumping on board as hard as they can. So they can retain those employees, um, through just little perks like that, that, that all of the other people they're competing for talent against are already doing. Um, so scheduling for sure, but we're also seeing a huge boom with our applicant tracking and onboarding right now. Um, we do digital documents, that kind of stuff is really important, especially because the turnover is crazy, right? You can hire five people and maybe two of them show up, um, but you did paperwork on all of them, right? You gotta have somewhere to stick that. Um, so we're seeing that um, as kind of a popular bundle right now, um, uh, either with or without the other labor pieces. Um, and then we're also seeing um, adoption of some kind of like like bonus features, what we would usually in the past have have referred to as things that power users would use in TimeForge. Um, we're seeing kind of those features explode, especially among the mid-market. So we've got this, um, this thing called transfer bid shifts, which is kind of cool. Um, it basically takes for multi-location employers, <clears throat> it, makes, uh, it makes it easy for managers to share employees across different locations. Um, and it has like an overtime limiter and a geography lat long lookup. Um, and so we're seeing these these businesses where, you know, the manager have to call up the other manager and ask if they could borrow Jenny on Thursday. Um, they're using our software to handle that kind of inherently and cleanly. Um, and it's turning it into like a, a localized gig economy. It's like all of your employees are Uber drivers and you just tell them where to be when. Um, it's kind of it's kind of been uh, neat and we're seeing it kind of revolutionize grocery because suddenly your your stores that aren't struggling with staffing quite as bad can help out the stores that are got it i guess i'm thinking like there's some of our uh rsp reseller members who have focused more on the point of sale really not gotten much into labor management or if it is it's like you know a time card or you know electronic time card something like that it seems like what you're talking about audrey is going way beyond that in order for them to get a better understanding of, of managing their labor and i hadn't thought about that you know where we do have not labor is a crisis when you don't have people but it's also a crisis when you bring on people right because of all the drag that goes on with that the time that it takes your managers to do that any more detail being given in terms of like the onboarding and how exactly that works and and what role does a reseller play in that or is essentially hey mr merchant or miss merchant you run this software and, and it'll take you from there is there any role beyond the installation that the that the var has to play with that I think it depends on the VAR and it depends on their relationship with that particular customer, um, not to get too wishy-washy, but um, you know, some VARs are, are deeply engaged with their customers and they want to have that conversation. How are you doing it now? What's working about that? What's not working about that? Hey, here's my buddy, Audrey. She's going to show you how some things that might help. Let's talk about it afterwards behind her back and see if we like it. Um, <laughs> right. And that, and that's great. 
Um, and then other bars, you know, uh, hey, I'm going to send you an email intro to uh, support rep at TimeForge. And, and that works just as well. Um, but that that level of relationship is going to kind of um, determine how that conversation with the merchant goes. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does. Yeah. So whatever they want to do, if they want to be more referral or they want to be more uh, holding hands shoulder to shoulder with the, with the merchant. Yeah, but but either way, the conversation is ultimately going to end up with um, TimeForge is going to show what we're doing that hopefully will help close some of their gaps and that we see being closed mostly. And of course, I'm talking about TimeForge because that's our product, but there are other solutions that do this, right? There's other applicant tracking platforms. Um, ours is the best for lots of reasons, and I'll tell you about <laughs> this all day. Um, but but the gaps we're seeing close are going to be um, mostly process related, like uh, operations, store level, location level management um, has historically been faxing onboarding forms or I-9s over to uh, a black box that they call HR, but no one really knows what that means or who that is. Um, and then they cross their fingers that HR actually processes this paperwork so that they're not illegally having someone work when they shouldn't be. And by the way, HR didn't process that paperwork fast enough because they never got the facts, but no one knew that the facts didn't come through. So the employee is not actually in the system and they're going on two weeks and oops, they didn't get paid. And if you're in California, that's a big problem. Um, it's those, those kinds of process and communication gaps that if you've got a system in place, like inherently disappear. It's, it's kind of magic. Got it. No, thanks. Thanks for going to that level of detail. And it really comes back to like that whole thing of nobody wants to work anymore. It's like, well, it's not my fault that I'm having a labor problem. What you're talking about is maybe your organization isn't running at 100% optimization, right? Let's figure that part out as well. Let's control what you can control. And I guess that kind of ties into a couple other technologies we wanted to ask about, like analytics. Uh, and I'm curious, Audrey, you know, can you talk a little bit more about how analytics play into this and then how you pitch that when you're selling this solution to somebody who maybe, you know, hasn't used labor management, uh, you know, from an analytics and a management standpoint? Yeah, absolutely. I think especially for for all retail, but especially for grocery and especially right now, hooray, holiday season, um, analytics uh, inside our platform um, is is really focused on knowing what you're going to sell when so that even though you're short staffed, you can try and take whatever labor labor you actually have and make sure that they're going to be there when your customers are there. Um, and so we're using a lot of the analytics that are in our system to help drive that kind of um, transparency for managers so that they can schedule the best way that they can, especially during I think once we get past the holidays, we'll see people using that analytics, of course, for sales forecasting, because who doesn't want a crystal ball? Um, but it's helpful. Um, but we'll also start seeing some of those analytics um, pivot more towards turnover once we're not dealing with seasonal labor anymore, um, start focusing on kind of culture indicators, um, you know, what kind of, uh, of course, turnover is a huge one. Um, but what kinds of perks are we seeing actually matter, right? Some some kind of like benefits and perks analysis that we haven't really seen in mid and small size businesses before. It's kind of been a biz, big business thing and we just assume our PTO policy is successful because no one complained too loudly. I think we're gonna see a lot more of that kind of analysis using data from systems like mine. Got it, and you mentioned Crystal Ball with touchscreen technology now, Right, you can actually probably upload your software onto a ball shaped, and that I, this might be a good marketing 
idea for yeah. people scrolling through and, and using it. So, uh, so Jeff, enough about crystal balls um, uh, and my, my idea. Uh, how about <laughs> mobility? Like, where does that fit in uh, to all of this? So I, I kind of chuckle when I, when, it, when I think about mobility. So when, when COVID uh, started, obviously, everybody was trying to adapt very quickly, right? How am I going to sell my groceries to my customers if they can't come in my store? And mobile apps, that's what people think of, you know, ordering your groceries on your phone. So we have those offers um, today. We, we obviously saw a lot of inquiry about that early on in the pandemic. We still get inquiries and there's still a place for it, but it's right now, if you think about it, it's not solving one of the problems we've talked about earlier with labor, right? It's almost making that worse. It is making that worse because yeah, I order on my phone now. Somebody has to now go pick that in the store and put that order together for when I come drive to pick it up. So, you know, I was, I was talking to somebody the other day and they, God forbid, order groceries from Walmart. And, you know, I said, yeah, I put my order in and I can't pick it up until, you know, like almost two weeks from now, right? Was the first available slot. And so how does that, how does that help? So I think there, I think a lot of the retailers are, are kind of seeing that. Um, they want that mobile technology, um, but it's like right now is a, is a tough time to do, to do that. And, and our customers really going to take advantage of that if they can't get something right away. We're a very right now society, right? Um, where we do see an uptick in mobility is in, in the store um, with associates and the labor that they do have to make their life, uh, to make their, their job more efficient, be able to get more done with mobility in the stores with handheld devices. So we, we do see uh, that we see an uptick, an uptick in that definitely. Uh, the customer app mobility, there's some, but not like it was early pandemic. Got it. Interesting. And then that ties in, you touched on this earlier, self-service technologies. And so not just self-checkout, but also online ordering and kiosk. Is that something that, uh, you know, I guess, can you talk about how you pitch that to folks who are, again, are in a big labor crisis and they might want to put just a Band-Aid on the immediate issue? Uh, can you talk about some of these other holistic things that will cause them some internal labor and some money to do it? Um, I guess, can you talk about that a little bit? Yes, obviously, self-service technologies is, is huge. Uh, Self-checkout, like I said earlier, everybody here sees it. Uh, and, and, it's, and it's like a, somebody used a snowball reference. It's exactly what it is right now. Self-checkout is, is a snowball because for a couple factors. One, we know they don't call in sick. I don't have to go hire a new one. They, they just work, right? Um, the other factor of that is there's it's, it's more and more prevalent. So everybody, the consumer is used to it. Unlike before when it wasn't as prevalent at every every facet of your life, it's like, ah, do I really want to use the self-checkout? Now it's like you expect to use it, right? It's just what you do when you go shopping in a lot of different in industries is self-checkout. So that's taken off tremendously and it's a great technology for solving the problem that we're in. Uh, it's, av it's available, anybody can use it. Um, <clears throat> so that's been huge for us. Online ordering is, is very similar. Um, during the early pandemic, I think one one thing that the pandemic is going to do is make all of these technologies better and better faster, right? Uh, between mobility, online ordering, even in the hospitality world, I'm watching on the news the other day where the little robot's going to bring you your your meal, right? Technology is going to fill a lot of these gaps that everybody is facing, 
and we're seeing a lot of that today and online ordering is one of them um, that that is leaps and bounds improving uh, during the pandemic. Got it. Thank you. And uh, Audrey, Jeff, Barb, any technologies that we didn't talk about yet that maybe we should uh, that our audience should know about? Or is, did we cover really the big ones, most important things? All right. I'll, I'll take your silences as we did. That'll uh, it's probably enough for especially a var who's who's new to this. So so final question, uh, Barb, if we can start with you, you know, it seems like and we're seeing it like you know, live as it happens, right? We have a software developer, uh, we have a VAR working together. Can you talk about how closely vendors and VARs need to work together to solve this labor crisis? And we know that's always important, but again, especially in this crisis situation that's unfamiliar territory oftentimes for the resale and the merchant, it seems like that alignment is is even more important. So Barb, if you wanna share your take on that first. Oh, absolutely. So. Um, it's huge for us to be able to work with TimeForge. Um, as we just talked this last hour about kind of the complexity of the labor shortage and what's happening in the labor market, we can't just solve that with um, kind of our normal um, solution. So working with Audrey and her team, we're able to kind of bring this solution to our customers um, and help them understand that they don't have to keep doing things the way they've been doing them. Um, and we've had to pivot internally. How do we quickly bring this to market? How do we get our sales and service team up to speed? Uh, because we're dealing with all of these things as well. I mean, it's not just our customers that are feeling kind of the pain points of everything that's happening with um, the world right now. Internally, we've had to pivot. And so being able to work with Audrey and her team in creating the survey, um, being able to send it out and really get this concrete data and understand where our customers are truly feeling has really helped us bring this internally um, and adapt it, create the tools so that our sales team, our service team feels comfortable bringing this to market. Um, and I couldn't have done this just on my own. Um, so you know, we're a small team of marketing people at um, North Country. So having TimeForge to you know kind of lean on has really helped us accelerate bringing this to market. Um, and it's been just a joy to be able to work with her, um, Audrey and her team. So. Right, and Audrey, just to build on what Barb said, like that sounds like a, a partnership, which is what all VARs and vendors should be looking for, not just some transactional, order this, place this, install this. So like it's really gotta be, just like Jeff said earlier about getting close and understanding your customers, the VAR has to understand the vendor, the vendor has to understand the VAR. What, what would you add to, to what Barb said? Yeah, um, just just that we love North Country um, and we have had so much fun working with you guys. Um, but I think I think that partnership word, like it's so overused, you know? And, and I really think that it's important to, as an organization, step back, think about what it means to your organization to have a good, successful partnership and what you want out of that. You don't want to just go partner up to partner up for the sake of having partners. Um, that's not going to be successful. You're looking for quality over quantity. Um, and you're looking really for um, making sure that you guys are um, serving the industry better. At least for us, that was our goal in developing partnerships was to make sure that we were looking for more and more competitive advantages. And working with North Country gives us one specific way that we are the best in the industry, especially for grocers and restaurants. Um, and I hope that North Country feels the same because we we all are trying to figure out how to serve the industry better. Um, and we're doing that better when we're together. 
Yeah, and there's a thing about like hold out for grade A partners, not grade B partners, right? And it has to be all the way around. Like it's really got to be a good fit that you can work and it's an extension of your organization. Jeff, I'll give you the last word in terms of the partnerships and again, how important, you know, you managed uh, some grocery store chains, how important it is to have vendors and solution providers who have their act together, you know, to quite frankly, mm -hmm. uh, to put it, put it frankly, can you talk about from your perspective that I give you the last word today? No, I think it, I, and Barb and Audrey hit it on the head, but it's it's so important, especially right now, um, to to work with with partners that that do have their act together because everything moves very quick. Um, Audrey and I have I've, we've enjoyed working working together. She's done a great job helping me train up my sales team, get the information out there. But you you have to act fast, and you have to be able to to move fast. And if you don't have partners that help you with that in this environment right now, it's it's going to be a struggle. So uh, it's it's been great. Yeah, great. Glad to hear that. So, well, that does it for this episode of The Trusted Advisor. We hope you enjoyed our discussion. If you did, be sure to subscribe to the RSPA YouTube channel and The Trusted Advisor podcast so you never miss an episode. We'd also appreciate if you'd rate us wherever you find your favorite podcast. My personal philosophy, the more stars, the better. And if you'd like to learn more practice, more best practices for VARs and ISVs in the retail technology industry, check out the RSPA blog. You can find it at gorspa.org and then clicking on RSPA blog. Before we go, big thanks again to Barb, Jeff, and Audrey for sharing their wisdom with us today. Thanks also to RSPA marketing manager Chris Arnold for his production work, Joseph McDade for our music, and last but not least, thanks so much to you for listening. Our goal at the RSPA is to accelerate the success of our members in the point of sale ecosystem by providing knowledge and connections. For more information, visit our website at gorspa.org. Thanks for listening and goodbye, everybody.